And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rhodes, and welcome to episode number 298 of This Old Marketing, recorded Thursday, November 18th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and really, if you think about it, the only guy who knows where Taylor Swift's red scarf really is, Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> such a... It's a good reference, I hate right? It when, I hate it when you throw me off like that. I was really expecting <laughs> something like a football reference yeah. <laughs> uh, or since, since the Browns got destroyed last week. and Although and your Cowboys came back, which was nice. Uh, slightly, yeah. Certainly yeah, nice was... for my fantasy roster that has uh, Dak Prescott on it, but that's right. Yeah. Well, and, and do you know about the do you know about the Taylor Swift thing? Yes, I don't know about it. You don't know about. I know, it. but I well, I know. Okay, people... this is what I know, and you tell me. I know that yeah. that she re-recorded all of her music, and it's been in the news lately because they're all performing better, and she's sort of taking back her her the rights to her music well i don't and, know and the red scarf thing this as you're gonna find out this is perfectly on theme for not only the show but for this particular episode of the show okay um because what she's doing is brilliant uh influencer and content marketing with the way that she's um, the way that she's marketing this new yes is exactly right. So the 2012 album Red, um, she has now re-released because she is in the process of re-recording all of her albums because of the uh, the fact that her uh, publishing was purchased by Scooter Braun and Company, which we've talked about on the show, yep. and she didn't really own the publishing rights, and so she's re-recording all of her old albums so that when they are played on Spotify and wherever, you're playing the new version, which they don't own the publishing rights on. Therefore, they don't get the royalties. She gets the royalties. So brilliant, by the way. It's a brilliant move. Wow. It's absolutely brilliant. And so she's now released Red, which of course came out in 2012, but now she has Red, Taylor's version. Um, And it's got some expanded stuff on it. And the the thing is, there's the, the song, All Too Well, um, which is a 10-minute song, which she couldn't have ever released as a single or even really done that well in 2012 because it was 10 minutes long and, you know, who the heck is Taylor Swift to do something 10 minutes long? But now she's Taylor Swift. She can do it so on Saturday, she yeah. Saturday Night Live. She, did, she didn't do the two classic performances. She does one performance that is 10 minutes long. She makes a short film about it. Um, it's all about Jake... Jill and Hall, apparently, um, and her relationship, but it's all about a red scarf. And so now the internet has gone completely mad, and all these uh, brands are tweeting out things about red scarves. Oh, it's going, it's memefied. Yes, exactly. She's created an entire meme about red scarves. And it's, I I mean, I just think it's brilliant. It's brilliant marketing, it's brilliant PR. It's it's just so good. So, where is the red scarf? I don't. I don't think anybody knows. Nobody knows this. The whole she point. doesn't. Yes. She doesn't sing about it in the well, song. It's not in any one of the ten minutes. My my favorite one. Uh, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, oh gosh, darn it! The this the the singer that um, from the nineteen seventies. Uh, I'm totally blanking on the name. Put out a tweet. She's like a grandmother now, and she put out a tweet, and she's like. I think Jake should return that red scarf because it's not his scarf to keep. He should put it into the. And she's like, "I'll pay the postage, Jake." Oh no! <laughs> now we, oh, yeah, you got to figure out who that is. I would like. Yeah, it's um, not like Joan uh, Baez or anything like that, right? I um, mean, you're, what, what are you talking about here? Um, hold on. Well, this is hold not on. good. This is not good radio here. Dion Warwick. Oh, Dion Warwick. Dion Warwick. <laughs> Dion Warwick yeah. <laughs> I totally yeah. went the other direction on that. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, of course. I mean. Dion can say whatever she wants. By the way, that's she's, right. Yeah, she's so, fantastic. Right. Yeah. This is the alter. So what we're trying to do here, folks, is alternative programming to the football. You see how what we do here, we how much we love you is that we're doing the alternative programming to football. We're talking about Taylor and the red scarf and Dion Warwick and, but it's it's 
I, I just think it's brilliant. Content marketing is, is what I think. Uh, it, I think, well, we'll talk about a lot of, the, of this yeah. in the episode, but I think the whole idea of, that's what I love. Whatever you, whatever definition that you have for Web3, I think what I'm, what I'm feeling, I don't know about you, Robert, but I'm feeling the pendulum swing toward creator rights more than ever before. And this is, you know, Taylor's leading the way in this whole thing where I was on uh, yesterday, I was on Carla Johnson's LinkedIn show and we were talking about this. And I I said, there's, there's never been a better time to be an artist, to be a musician, to be a creator. And you couldn't have said that a couple of years ago. And we were talking about like, you know, traditional jobs, like being a doctor, being a lawyer, you get highly paid, you know, they're highly touted, you go to school, those types of things. And you would never expect for somebody to say, I'm an artist. And could that person possibly make more money than the doctor or lawyer? Well, today, you, you don't know. The, the, That's right. Because of this, these new opportunities, because of whatever you want to call it, tokenization, uh, you you can be an artist and you can be a musician. And if you have content and a small, loyal audience, you can build a multi-million dollar platform uh, and have more freedom and more choices than if you were a doctor or a lawyer or some other traditional well, highly paid profession, which is fascinating. We don't know where it's going to go, but I love that there's this opportunity first time for for you know, lowly creators quote unquote well he, here's 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 something here's just another data point for you because I, I just speaking of doctors and lawyers so remember last week i was on the road and we talked about how uh you know i was at this event um speaking at this event which happened to be for small and medium sized law firms okay and so I learned something. I mean, I learned a lot of things about the that industry, and I'm just so fascinated with it from a marketing perspective. Um, but one of the things that I learned is how many. First of all, they're most of them are crushing it these days, right? Whether they're in family law or personal injury law or uh, estate, you know, planning. Everybody's or, suing you know, each all, other. They're well. It's well. There's a whole thing about you know law about uh how does somebody put it when that was talking to me at a party and they said there's the law about where somebody has to win or lose and basically somebody has to lose which is not that interesting but the more interesting law practices are those that are based on transactions where everybody wins basically your job as a lawyer your job as a lawyer is to facilitate a transaction where everybody wins and they said that's much more rewarding anyway that's wills trust partnerships all those those kinds of things exactly transactions companies buying companies you know all that sort of stuff yeah you got it i would agree so yeah yeah and but the interesting thing this and this is just to your point was how many because i was there of course talking about content marketing and the strategies around that and and how you know how they might think about that and of course i come to it like this is you know going to help you grow and this is going to help you grow your practice and get more leads and you know and and how many of them were like Meh, that's nice but what i'm really interested in is how do i decrease the amount of uh, time and effort and bandwidth of my personal life I'm spending doing law and how much I can start to build another business on top of that. So most of them, and this is all anecdotal, by the way, I don't have no data to support this, but but the, the most of them were much more interested in content marketing as, hey, how can I build something that I'm really passionate about, whether it be, you know, giving back to the community or making money at or whatever it be, but how, but something really content and digitally oriented that not, eh, maybe it's nice if it helps me get more business, but really it's just because I'm passionate about something else. Oh, well, I, I've heard that not just from lawyers, I've heard this from a number of professions that make money, uh, during the day while they're working and not while they're sleeping. And they all say they want to make money while they sleep. Yeah, and that I think that's what you're talking about, right? How can you yeah, build? Exactly. A, how can you build an audience and then sell whatever it is you sell, whether that's access through partnership deals or whether that's actually products and services that you don't have to be around for? That's a big. Right. <laughs> that's a very right big deal. That's why I mean, you and I. I mean, you're you've been in the consulting business for over 20 years now, right? Almost yeah, yeah, yep. about 20 years, 
And you've talked about that a lot. You love consulting. But for the most part, you have to be there. <laughs> you, like you have to be <laughs> present <laughs> as a consultant, and you've worked in true. yeah, and you've worked over the years. You've done different things to to work in, so you don't always have to be there, which I think That's everybody right. wants just for quality of life purposes. I mean, who yeah. doesn't? So well, and and I may be working on something hmm, that you know about that the rest of you don't that. Uh, that may, may may start to change that a little oh, bit. Oh, this is coming very year. exciting, but we can't talk about yeah. that yet. I guess no, we can't talk can. about that yet. That's okay. Yeah. We will soon. We we we're yes. all working on lots of things. <laughs> we're all working on. Something. We're working on all the things, <laughs> but we can't talk about any of the things until we that's work right. out the bugs within the things, and then we can discuss all the other things. <laughs> that's ex- yeah. That's right. Hashtag <laughs> all, all the things. The things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, and speaking of hashtag all the things, we I've, let me. First of all, thank everybody again out there for all the amazing questions that are coming in for our 300th episode, which is, by the way, in two weeks. That's amazing. Oh my to gosh! Even we gotta think get, about. We got to get our stuff together. Our things yeah, together. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we got to start. You got to start actually putting the work in. Um, anyway, the if you if it's not too late, we really really want your questions, um, especially your audio questions. We'd love to feature your voice, your dulcet tones uh, on the, the the show itself. And so, if you go to this old marketing dot site. As you discovered maybe last week when you listened to Joe, there's a wonderful little microphone in the lower right-hand corner where you can record your question, or there's an option there's, for you. There's a banner there's at a the whole top. App. <laughs> like, make it worth our while, like make it worth Joe's while that he actually went to the effort to do all that, and, and you could put your question in there, or simply tweet us up at hashtag thisoldmarketing and ask your question there. Um, and if you get your question on the show... Um, we're going to be giving away some prizes for those folks, um, uh, for Joe, um, and the beautiful, wonderful, valuable tilt coin. We'll be at $50 of tilt coin. And then from me, um, which I mean, it's just dawned on me that you're also part of this. Um, the killing marketing book will send was you, I? did I, uh, is, was I a co-author on that book? I don't know. I really, Maybe. I mean, I mean, it felt like I did all the work, but yeah, uh, yeah you yeah. did. <laughs> you absolutely did all the, that. Well, that's what yeah. we're, that's why our books work really well together when we do them. Cause, cause we've co-authored. It's, books it's why your books work really well. I mean, quite honestly, is because how much of my stuff you put in it, it's, there. It's actually, I found it to be a winning formula to it take a, a lot formula. of your thinking yeah. and then put <clears throat> yeah. my name on it. Uh, it yeah, it's, it's worked well for me. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm, it's I'm not a. Gonna, it's yeah. it's a. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Bold. Let's see how it works out. For <laughs> it's worked out pretty darn well yeah. over the years. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. Anyway, but. Yeah, so submit your questions, get those in because that's going to be fun. Um, and we're we 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 joke we have actually been working on the show and it's it's coming along very very nicely and some surprise guests and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, wishing us well on our three hundredth and and that's so that's so. not so next week is uh, is two ninety nine so that's our Thanksgiving that's right. episode which will be a, a yep. sort of a special episode and then the next week we will be doing the three hundredth and. That's is there right. anything so else? Tell we, your friends, tell your family. Yeah. We're it's are we gonna be, tell them it's gonna be a hoot nanny. Are we are we gonna tell any that we're producing it a little bit differently or no? We're not doing what are we <clears> doing? Well, we're gonna produce it a little differently. We're gonna well, we're doing video. I think that's, that's what I was uh, gonna I, I didn't know if we uh, told yeah. them. This is this will be our first have, video yeah. video podcast. Which yeah, so you'll get to see our ugly could mugs. Could go horribly wrong. <laughs> it's going to go horribly wrong. I mean it's just a question of how wrong it's going to go. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I'm not used to looking like we don't even look at each other during we we actually no, just we use don't. a phone line, Skype That's line. right. But it's the same thing. So this is going to yeah. be really odd. I'm going to have to like look at the camera and pay attention to you. I know. <sighs> it's going to be. All right, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, yes, we will. All right. All right, let's get to the news, let's shall we? Um, and uh, it's a so you're gonna. I think you are gonna notice a little bit of a theme this week, and and it's got media, it's got some content, some marketing, and uh, interestingly enough, some fights over rights. Um, but Disney was apparently listening to Joe last week uh, for our first news, and 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 basically changed their entire strategy. Um, based on Joe's comment, so I uh, <laughs> yes, was happy funny. to hear about that. Um, Joe has mad influence with the Disney folks. Oh, yes. This first one comes to us courtesy of The Guardian. Uh, big hat tip, by the way, to Michael Stelzner. Hi, Mike. 
uh, for sending this over to us. And uh, it's the headline here is interesting. It says, A whole new world. Disney is the latest firm to announce metaverse plans. Uh, the subheadline, Entertainment Company plans to connect the physical and digital worlds, allowing for storytelling without boundaries. Uh, the article opens up by saying, hi, ho, it's off to the metaverse we go. Um, I'm sure that writer was very proud of that opening line. Um, if Walt Disney gets its way, the home of Mickey Mouse and Princess Elsa has revealed it is planning to join the likes of Mark Zuckerberg and Microsoft in the metaverse. The new tech concept, a blending of the physical and digital worlds, where people can interact virtually, is becoming a multi-billion dollar fixation for Silicon Valley executives, including the Facebook founder who is staking his company's future on its success. And now Hollywood is taking note too, according to Disney chief executive Bob Chapek, who said on Wednesday the company was preparing to take the leap into virtual reality. Referring to Disney's history of innovation and storytelling, which includes the Mickey Mouse cartoon Steamboat Willie, one of the first to feature synchronized sound, Chapek said, the Walt Disney Company has a long track record as an early adopter in the use of technology to enhance the entertainment experience. Uh, basically, it, the article goes on to talk about the concept, augmented reality, where elements of the digital world are layered on top, um, virtual world, uh, uh, some things like wearables, all that sort of thing. It sounds to me, I'd love to get your take on this, Joe, you being the mad influencer here. Uh, you know, to me, it sounds like this is Disney going, yeah, 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 chill out. We're going there, right? We're, we don't know what it is yet, but we'll we'll get there, right? And so that it, it feels to me like a non kind of a non story, but but you tell me what you. No, think. I think you're right. I think it's a non story. There, of course, Disney has plans in this area, and, and I'm sure you've seen some of their NFT drops. They're pretty cool, uh, where you can buy you know Mickey or a, or an actual Walt Disney, and they're doing a limited edition run of. And, and, and the NFTs are different than the metaverse, so but but still, they sure. are they are yeah. dabbling and experimenting. Which we'll talk about in this episode. There are a lot of brands that are experimenting in this area, and well, they should. We're all sort of experimenting. My, I think if I if if anybody from Disney is listening to me, <laughs> I, I'm fine with the experimentation. But there is a lot of, of real important work that needs to be done outside the metaverse right now. And this article talks a little bit about Disney Plus, which you know they have their 120 or million subscribers to that platform against Netflix's 214. We talked about it, I think it was last episode or, or a couple ago, where Disney Plus, Disney has not done a great job integrating all the things that they have. And there's such an opportunity there. Like I, I talked to you about, I think, The Mandalorian, and I'm a fan. Well, why don't they, they know that I'm a fan. Why am I not getting any kind of offers for the you know some kind of a Mandalorian experience or a Mandalorian NFT or whatever, I'm not getting anything. They're not. They haven't brought all those things to get disparate things together. Like I think they they did that very well in their business plan when they started, and this goes back to the 50s, 60s, and 70s when they put Walt, you know Disney World at the center of their business model, and everything else drove to the park. That was the, the goal of the comics, the goal of the films, the goal of the storytelling, the goal of all the merchandise, everything they did, they did. They were all revenue producing, but the goal was to get them to the park, and that was their highest yield product. And that, that generated, of course, the most revenue and created the Disney that we know today. I would like to see them swap that out a little bit. And I don't know if the goal is ultimately to get them to Disney World or whatever it is, but I, I would love to see a little bit more like what we did at Content Marketing Institute when we were just said, hey, let's get them to sign up as a subscriber and then let's get them to sign up to, to two more things, the webinar series or the magazine or whatever it is, the podcast, you know, subscribe to the podcast because we know that creates our best customer signing up to three different things. I don't know, Robert, if Disney's doing that. So I mean, I'm I'm not I'm off the subject of their metaverse involvement because I just think there's just so much opportunity in front of them right now, and maybe they take a remember what Walmart did when everyone went dot com and Walmart just sort of waited back and said we're going to let everyone kind of figure this thing out and we're going to let everyone else be the first through the wall and that's fine and then we'll clean up the mess and we'll we'll do this a, you know a year or two later and it'll be awesome. Well, they did a great job of that. <laughs> That worked yeah. to perfection. I, Disney could do the same thing. Let everybody else figure this out. They could just buy 
buy a platform, buy their way in, buy the technology, because they've got plenty of cash. That's what I would rather see them do, I think. I, I think you're right. And, 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 you know, we talked a bit about this in the last episode when, when, you, when we talked about the, the opportunity there for these brands to create a world and connecting all those worlds together so that you subscribe to Disney instead of subscribing to any one aspect of Disney. Exactly. Right? You know, and so the, uh, here's what interests me about this whole thing. In this article, and there's a reason that we picked this article in particular, not only because it, it fed into <laughs> Joe's you know, visionary perspective here, but also there's a section of the article that talks about where else this is happening. And this is the part that really got me and, and, and fascinated me, which was talking about, so my, they, and they use the example of Microsoft and they actually embed a tweet in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the article from Satya Nadella, who is the fantastically talented, I just, I, I admire what he's been able to do for Microsoft so much, their CEO. And he talks about, he's got this little video in there that talks about how the metaverse is here, but not from, a Disney-like perspective, but like from actual businesses, right? So what does this mean for, you know, me in consulting? Or what does this mean for someone in an architect business? Or what does this mean for someone in a manufacturing or, you know, B2B business? And this is where it, I think this idea of a limited building of a world can really make sense because they it, this, the video really talks about how collaboration and working within an environment can be really interesting, like manufacturing where you're, you know, you're together on a floor or you can virtually tour something or you can actually um, start to connect these experiences in a way that lets you work virtually from wherever you are. There's a lot in this sort of virtual media, you know, metaverse idea that is smaller than just bringing it out to the entire world. And I actually think that's more useful in the short term, maybe not as sexy in the long term. And the one that, what it made me think of, and I totally you know, have, have forgotten about this until I watched this little video, my brother-in-law was telling me about this, how he's using this now in his architecture business. Because what has happened is, is that during COVID, He's an architect and private architect. Works on many, you know, many projects, uh, houses and small commercial buildings and all sorts of things. What has happened now? He's got it set up where he can meet his contractor partners inside because he does the blueprints, he does the CAD drawings, so they can three D render that, and they can take virtual tours together with his contractor. And they can, and he puts on his Oculus headset. And he meets his contractor in the building. Oh, that's and they fascinating. Point, and they point to the ceiling and he's like, this is where I want the trim. And this is how I want it to look. And this is, you know, and this is the other thing down here, you know, and this is where the plumbing is going to be. And let me point out to you where the electrical is going to go and all that stuff. And they're actually in the meeting place. So they're on a quote unquote Zoom call, but they're actually working together in, in the physical or in the virtual, in this case, space. And that to me is really that's an interesting idea that I think is 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 not perhaps getting as much mainstream media attention, and I think this that's that starts to play into this as well, which is as we start thinking from this work from home, work remotely, collaboration online together. You know, what's the next generation of a Zoom meeting? What's the next generation of a collaborative consulting meeting where we can all get together in a space, and it's not just you know, cartoon characters getting in there together, but it's actually, sure. you know, really interesting rendered virtual worlds. And so if a fascinating well, thing. Well, I think the other thing you got to remember, I don't, I don't know when that day is going to be because we all need the hardware. I mean, you need an Oculus. Yeah, of course. Unless there's some yeah, kind yeah. of plug into your brain that I'm not aware of that's going, you know, that Elon Musk is going to come up with. We don't have that yet. But what I love about a company like a Microsoft they already have been practicing in the metaverse for quite some time. If you're aware of Minecraft, they own Minecraft. Yeah, of course. And they've yeah. been doing a great job. And so I think that's where we're going to take steps. We already have Roblox and Minecraft and these worlds set up. It's not metaverse like you're inside, but you're part of, you're living in, you you can buy property, you can do those things. That's why tokens are so crazy. So, But I, I think the other thing that 
if, if I'm a brand listening to this and you're trying to figure out how to get involved, you might also want to just diversify a little bit and take some risk off the table and buy some plots in some of these properties that are heading that direction. Like there's a there's sandbox out there is one place you could do that. You could do another one at Decentraland. Um, where you can buy your own plot and your land. And by the way, at Sandbox, you can go and you see Atari and you see Gap and you see Nike. They've already bought their land. So there's it's it's almost like second life 20 years later, Robert, that we're seeing these things actually happen. Uh, so, so maybe instead of looking at a proprietary program like a Minecraft or like a WandaVision world or whatever we're thinking metaverse, maybe we hedge our bets a little bit and we, we go, can go ahead and experiment as part of a, a group structure or some a third just, party yeah. platform. I think uh, that's right. And, 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 and my only point there is, is that this is, it, this can often sound like something that we don't need to pay that much attention to because, Oh, it's Disney or it's, you know, it's, you know, it's video games or it's, it's that sort of thing. And, and I think most of that is probably true for most of us, right? This has become sort of a little bit like, you know, entertainment, Right, more than anything else, is like, oh, let's watch what happens. Let's get a, you know, get a box of popcorn and see what happens. But I, th- but I think the reason that it's so important, and the reason that I'm glad that we cover it, is because there are real things happening. Right, there are real, there's real work going on, and there's real work happening, and and the use cases may be niche right now, but they will, they will become more common. The, the ability to get into it will be, you know, sometimes less onerous than putting on a headset you know i'm sure that technology is is coming and those use cases are coming and and so i think it's something just it's it's important to pay attention to well it's hard it's it's hard i mean for for you and i i mean we 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 lived with there was one day no internet and then there was internet right And, and we're at we're right at that stage right now with this so it's hard to and this is going to be in my opinion bigger than the internet or, or maybe what the internet should have always been. So I, I, it's hard. It's far hard for me to be more bullish on this as we are. But we just don't have the applications yet because we're so early. I and mean, if you said that this, let's say, if this was a baseball game, we're just getting out of the dugout. We talked. We we I talked about that reference a lot with content marketing. You know, when we talked ten years ago, we said we're just at the start of this thing. Well, we're just at the start right. of this thing right now. We're so early, as early as we can be. Um, so now is the time to experiment and, you know, get your, get your MetaMask, get your digital wallet, start figuring things out, be a part of it, learn, you know, spend an hour a day learning about this stuff. And in a year it will really pay off. Yep. That's absolutely right. Well, speaking of experimentation, segues very nicely into our next news story here. Um, so Quentin Tarantino in the news again. Uh, and so we'll link to two articles here in the uh, uh, in, in the show notes because it's nice sort of uh, tit for tat or whatever you want to call it, sort of the two sides of the story. Um, the one that we will uh, so first start with is is basically from the Daily Beast. Um, Quentin Tarantino sued uh, by Miramax over Pulp Fiction NFTs. So apparently, the lovely Quentin Tarantino was at an event. And said some and said like, what is this whole thing about NFTs? And basically, somebody went off and said, "Hey, NFTs are kind of cool. You should get into it." Well, he took that to heart and basically said he was going to launch an NFT. And now Miramax is taking legal action against Quentin Tarantino after the director announced plans to auction off seven uncut scenes from his cult classic Pulp Fiction as NFTs. Tarantino said he'd be minting the handwritten scenes along with audio commentary that he promised would reveal secrets about the film and its creator at a crypto art convention in New York on November 2nd, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Then on the flip side of that, we'll link to the Daily Variety article, which basically says Quentin Tarantino's attorney responds to the Pulp Fiction NFT lawsuit and says Miramax is wrong. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's attorney has responded to this lawsuit by basically saying Miramax is wrong, plain and simple. Tarantino's contract is clear. He has the right to sell NFTs of his handwritten script for Pulp Fiction, and this ham-fisted attempt to prevent him from doing so will fail. Um, So I guess, I mean, I definitely have... totally want to hear what you think about this i have a take on this as well um that is marketing related um as you might expect but so what do you think it do is this it what it well what i just let me stop there what do you think 
it's you know it's funny because you read both articles and I was like oh yeah what shoot Merrimax Tarantino what was he an idiot he didn't did he not know what he had the rights over and then you read Tarantino's and say oh yeah well it sounds like legally he has the rights over this area. Uh, yeah. Well, I guarantee you that the, the, the contract never mentions NFTs. Oh, I yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> yeah, in 1994, nobody knows what the hell an NFT is. So it never, like the, the attorney going, oh, yeah, it says it right here. It says he's got the right well, to sell NFTs. No, I, here's no, what, it doesn't say well, that. Well, here's, here's so, so we can talk about this. So let's let's take our, our 2017 book that you authored and I helped with, Killing <laughs> That's Marketing. Right. That's it. There you go. Um, yep. And, and right now we have... You and I have the audio rights. So in audio form, we can do whatever we want, which we did. We have an audio book. Right. Great. If somebody buys that, we get all the proceeds from that. Wonderful. If somebody buys right. the ebook or the print version, uh, that runs through McGraw-Hill. They have all the rights to right. do that. If they want to do yep. a print version in another language, that they have to make that happen. We have some say in that, but that's all theirs, and they have we've given them the rights to that portion. If, if something right. like if we said we wanted to make an NFT out of killing marketing, uh, we would be in complete gray area, probably would fall under digital rights, which would be an ebook, which would fall under McGraw Hill. My point to saying this whole thing is that you got get your legal stuff in order now and start looking at all your these are this this is these are so there's so many legal landmines going on right now if you look at DAOs decentralized autonomous organizations non-fungible tokens fungible tokens this is all the the, the lawyers are at the gate Robert <laughs> they are waiting there are so many oh, lawsuits no. about ready to happen and what I would what I would tell any creator or any marketer or anyone with with any kind of intellectual property is to make sure you've got your legal house in order. Do it now, and uh, and then you'll be protected in the future. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm assuming they're going to. Oh, I do. Oh, well, oh, you do. would know I, how they how's it going to turn oh, out. I do. I well. I, I, are you finished? Because yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm just. I, I guess what no, I'm okay. saying is, is that if and I've I've mentioned to a couple of our friends out there who are lawyers that. If you were a Web3 expert, you would be much in demand <laughs> right now because yeah, um, I need the help. You need the help. Everyone needs the help. Well, as I told you, uh, I one of the here in Hollywood, this has become this has become topic number one. Nice. I mean, the the trans. I mean, just speaking to the idea of transactions versus you know uh, you know winners and losers and law types of activities, this has become number one in terms of transaction types of ideas. The idea of intellectual property rights as well as securing you know uh, you know characters and building worlds and scripts and all that kind of stuff. So, but here's what I here's here's the interesting thing like. And I'm glad you brought up the killing marketing example because with the Quentin Tarantino thing here, it's not that we would make it killing marketing into an NFT. We would make certain pages of our handwritten notes while we were writing. That's right. Killing marketing. And and so the words may or may not be what appear in killing marketing, but they are the words that we used, you know, that when we were, you know, so early rough drafts, basically. Now, I don't handwrite. So Quentin Tarantino is famous for handwriting his scripts, right? He doesn't use a typewriter. He actually longhands them out. He's famous for that. And so these are going to be, I'm assuming, scans. Um, yeah, almost you know, like artwork. Yeah, JPEGs yeah. Of, of of various scenes, very famous that ended up being very famous scenes. The the question to me of, on the legal side is, what is he actually selling, right? Because this is what it'll come down to. He's because when you sell this, he, he's not giving you rights to the movie. He's not giving you any sort of commission. He's not giving you any sort of royalty on the what the movie makes. He's, there's no intellectual property rights being conveyed here. So what is it he's actually selling? Well, it sounds like from the two articles, one is he's selling some insider information. So he's selling some content that he would could give away in an interview yep. or you could give away and everything. So that's not going to be owned by Miramax, just that inside information. That's just his opinion about things. And then what else is he selling? Well, he's selling basically a picture of his notes as a, and he's not even really selling the picture of the notes. He's selling that as a really a, a talisman for something else. Maybe it's a meeting with him. Maybe it's he gets to you get to go have lunch. Maybe you get a special you know phone call with Quentin to hear more stories. It's the representation about it. of access. It's the representation of something yes. else, 
And that's what his lawyers, I have to imagine, will argue, is that I'm not selling anything having to do with Pulp Fiction. He's basically selling selling a meeting. And we we took a picture of notes that have nothing to do with anything. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. To represent the ticket, right? You know, to that. And, And so... That's the interesting idea here. And the gray area that I think you're appropriately pointing out is that picture is like, you know, like when you when you do a work for hire for a for a company, you know, you're usually, you know, the the language is usually pretty clear on that, you know, in the standard contract where it says, you know, anything you develop, notes, drawings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, those are all the property of whoever's buying your services, right? And so that's pretty comprehensive screenplay contracts usually don't read like that but work for hire does so this is you know so you could start to look at it that way and start to review your contract language accordingly um if which to, to your point my last point on this is all of this is a stunt every 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 part of this is a marketing, marketing stunt yeah yep this every bit of this is quentin tarantino calling up miramax and saying hey sue me for this this will be good for both of us this is this is no. You I, think that I, happened? Yep, absolutely right. Absolutely yes. Because what does this do? One free press. Two, it raises the value of these things inordinately. Quentin Tarantino calls up, or Quentin Tarantino's agent calls up Miramax and says, "Hey, listen, let's fight. Let's get into a fight we'll about this. It'll be a great. It'll be a great way to drive up interest and value of this these things when we ultimately sell them, and we'll cut you in for a deal." We'll cut you in for, you know, whatever percentage of the deal. Oh, man. Take, You're probably right. That's horrible. And it's not horrible. It's genius. It is genius, it's but it's horrible at the genius. same time. Because this is, this is, this is, you know, this is the same as when John Cleese, and, and I always name drop this because I'm me, um, when we were at Content Marketing World, five, five minutes, three minutes, like literally as the music is playing, he leans over to me and he goes, remember, we're supposed to fight. And I looked at him and I was like, what do you mean we're supposed to fight? He said, if we fight, it's interesting. He said, if we argue, it's interesting. If we just get up there and violently agree with each other, nobody cares. And boy, that lesson has stuck with me. I mean, nobody cares about Quentin Tarantino's NFTs if there's not some controversy around them. That's, yeah. This this creates all of that. I totally disagree with you, Robert. This (laughs) is, I vehemently disagree. I think you are a fool. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you could think that if you want to, Pulitzi. Uh, you know what? Yeah. You're probably right. It is probably genius, but my my feelings about humanity are just a little bit lower be- because yeah. we're doing this type of thing. So when you ask me what I know is going to happen, here's what's going to happen. A settlement. The two parties were able to settle their agreements offline. That's what's going to happen. After they whip this up into a frenzy and it goes out for, they're going to go out for sale with it. They're going to, and then, and then when everybody goes, hey, what happened to the lawsuit? It's going to be like, nah, they settled it. They settled it offline. Yeah. You're, you're probably right. You're, <laughs> oh, yeah. man. So, yeah. So, a couple things. It is good. Right but now, the, it is good marketing, especially on the experimental side. It's the, a, the, there, it, but, by the way, this is good marketing. You know, this is good. This is good PR. This is good marketing. Fight. You know, so there. And and I've I've seen this happen behind the scenes in a couple of other you know businesses before, where it's like you know let's go pick a fight with somebody. You call them up and you go, hey, we're gonna pick a fight with you. Fight back. It'll be interesting. We'll all get the clicks. We'll all get the we'll all get the views. We'll all get the thing. It'll it'll create some you know it'll create some noise, and um, you know and and everybody wins. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the last but I what I will say is yeah, there are there is a whole new area of oh, of legal course, of issues. law here. Absolutely 100% and, and yes. I would like to see some people get into that area. Well, it's going to be really interesting for you know, so just to the point, right, of what we were just talking about, you know, this is I think it's less interesting on the Hollywood side because that's going to sort itself out very quickly and very easily here where the really interesting thing is going to be is on that work for hire type of idea um, where designers, especially content creators that write for other brands. So if your job is writing blog posts or if your job is writing white papers or if your job is writing um, all kinds of things for uh, you know, for, for other clients or creating or designing things, this is really relevant for you. 
because what it means is is that that contract that you sort of blithely sign now when you when you design a logo or you design some imagery or you design a PowerPoint or whatever it is you're designing for that brand and the clause in that that talks about the IP that basically says anything you send over to us whether it's your ideas your drawings your schematics your i mean there's a whole list in the usual standard content template that basically says anything you do in the name of this project we own basically we own your thought process and your intellectual property here so you so then that means if you took a picture of your original sketch for that logo and you said i want to make that an nft because I happen to design the new Nike logo and basically, wow, I'm now super famous because I just, you know, designed the new Nike logo and I'm going to make my sketch, original sketch on the back of a napkin of that available via NFT. Nope, you are not going to do that because that sketch is owned by Nike. And that's where it will get interesting in terms of new contracts and sort of rights uh, that, that can be conveyed and that you want to convey and where the lawyers will really, really start to, to play a role in this because that's going to become a Interesting. thing. Interesting. Yeah. So if you're a content creator, read the fine print. Yep. And, and if you're your and yeah, if you and know yeah, what you're signing you're up hiring for, for, yeah. hire, for contractors, you probably because again today world. it may yeah today it may not be a thing right you're like ah eh, NFTs big deal it's you know it's such a small thing but you know five years from now ten years from now when when all of a sudden that thing you created went viral and it's awesome and you wanted to think about how it's getting used out there in the digital world eh, it's it, it you know it's 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 worth thinking it's, about it's now inter- what's interesting though is you know, over the past how many years we've been just monetizing the end product. And now right. we're monetizing the creative process. Yes. Right? Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the lawyers have known that for a long time. They've monetized the creative process, right? But the thing is that creative process hasn't been valuable before. Yeah. And now be. with the idea that, 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 that you can actually monetize some of that process as the creator, well, now, of course, you know, we, we, you need to start thinking about it because before it's like, Nobody wants to see my original, you know, sketch that I made at the bar of that, you know, awesome new thing. Nobody wants to see that. That's not valuable. But if it becomes like a thing and now all of a sudden I can create an NFT and say, you own the original of this. Well, now, you know, okay. Now it's, now it's something different. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to go back. I, I might have something I could sell for five bucks and creating things. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe the three hundredth episode. Nobody wants that. No, forget it. Yeah. Well, episode number one is still on OpenSea, folks. So you can go buy. Forget it. it. We we made it. We made it NFT. Yeah. I'm 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 gonna burn it. I'm gonna burn it like you know we're burning ETH. (laughs) Just forget it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna burn it. I'm gonna burn that token so nobody can get it. Burn it down. All right. Uh, Well, here we go. Let's uh, cover our last story here quickly which is all about marketing and how the interest in other collectibles as well as NFTs are shaping this, the future of marketing. Uh, this comes to us courtesy of Marketing Dive, a uh, great publication that we often uh, pull stories from. And it's part of their Deep Dive series. Great article if you're looking for some interesting sort of introductions to the world of NFTs and marketing and why brands are actually doing this. Um, It says consumer appetites for NFTs remain niche, uh, but the format could serve as an important experiment if the metaverse ever takes off. I think that 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 subheadline really just sums up everything we just said. But the story opens up and says collectibles are inescapable in marketing at the moment. Non-fungible tokens or NFTs, unduplicable digital assets that use blockchain technology to certify ownership of a piece of media like a photo or video have experienced a sustained surge of interest from brands in 2021. And while NFTs are the buzziest iteration of collectibles representing an aspect of the so-called metaverse, there are analogs in real-world goods with a proliferation of branded merchandise, limited edition product collaborations targeted at superfan consumers. For marketers, experimenting with collectibles remains a PR-driven tactic, but one that tries to read the tea leaves on what the next generation of consumers, digital natives, readily familiar with channels like gaming, will want to see from brands. And it basically goes on, really, I think a quite good primer uh, with examples linked, 
um, you know, talking about both the short term and the long term and the power of intellectual property. Really just a, I think, a really well-written article sort of explaining how marketing strategies from brands are starting to experiment with this and sort of see where the nooks and crannies are that may be creating some level of value. So uh, it's a really good business case for experimentation and just a great primer in terms of what may be what may be coming. Yeah, no, I think it's a great article, especially if you're on the marketing side. The the most of what we're seeing right now is it kind of goes back to what we just talked about. It's a marketing stunt. Most of them, you know, yeah, the McRib yeah. NFT, it's everything's a marketing right. stunt. There's no utility. And it's almost like it is with if you look at the rise, which is a fad, well, as I've said for, and I continue my position on that. Just in case anybody's wondering, I continue my position that this is totally a fad and totally the not 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 the main story. Well, if you look, so so look at all the, the let's say from October of 2020 to to June of 2021, and you look at the majority of the NFTs that were created during that time, they're generally art based it's a picture it's an image and there's no utility that was phase one or phase 0.5 if you want now what we're going to see here in the very near future and that's what you know you take from this article and take it to the next level is what's the utility do i get access am i in a club is this a membership who do i get to talk to where do i get to go you know those types of things that's the next level of that like and even even with tarantino's thing you know, if okay, if you get access to Tarantino, I mean that that's something, right? That's a little bit more uh, utility based than just oh, I get this image and it's a good story. So I think that we're if I'm a marketing person experimenting with NFTs, I'm thinking okay, let let's just think a little bit more outside of the box that we're going to take a picture of this thing, or you can you have this image, you could put it into the metaverse, which is all fine. But I, I would imagine the next year or so, it's all going to be about what can I do with this thing? You know, let me see if I can take this thing yeah. for a swing. Where does it go? You know, is it is well, it be, I, I, will it be valuable to other people? Do other people want these experiences? Are these limited experiences? So for content marketers, we're really talking about content experiences that you can't get anywhere else that are scarce. And that's that has value to people, not just, oh, this is an image. Well, that I, I think you just said it really well, which is that it's about you know experiences, content-driven experiences, and ultimately that comes down to what you know what are we actually marketing, what are we actually selling, and it's not just the image, right? The the limited edition, specialty designed you know Whopper or you know the 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 specially designed version of the Coors logo or whatever it happens to be. That's that's literally just designing a new ticket for something. And you're designing the ticket to access to what? The what experience, what content driven experience that are you selling it for? And that's the, the utility, like you say. Like what's that's the value of what it is that is getting done here. And that's the whether you call it the next phase or quite frankly the phase, because I think all of this has really just been a a bubble that will ultimately go, people will go, oh, right, that's not, yeah, okay, got it, right? The whole, you know, with exception, I, you know, I think there are there, there are still some exceptions There'll to that. There'll like, be five percent really, winners that have built a community that have, like, uh, well, or just art, or just, or just literally art, right? You know, because I think there is some, but, you know, what makes art valuable is scarcity, and and so the, the scarcity of a particular digital piece of art you know, we regarding the artist and how many they've made and how many are out in the world and how you access it and the you know, story and, behind and all those and things the story behind and the, the story artist. behind it and, and all of that. Yeah. Right. Is is so I think there are some exceptions to that rule. But for the most part, brands and marketing, it's all going to be utility. Right. It's all about the utility. Yeah, and that, that's that's where I would be if I'm in the marketing room right now. So if I'm if I'm a content marketer and you're trying to figure out what do I do in web3. I think that's what you're thinking about. How can we think about the NFT as the greatest opt-in subscription you could ever create? Yep. And what could you deliver it, with that subscription that somebody's paid a lot of money for that people will want to resell and resell and every time they do you get more revenue for and you've created a new audience member if you will. So yep. those those are things that are 
those are conversations worth having now, even if you don't do anything for a year or so. And not to get all self-congratulatory or anything here, but in Killing Marketing, bringing the book back, you know, the, that thing that I work so hard on that you... Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we, we, you and I came up with this chart, right? We came up with a chart and we sort of, you know, it's this, it, it, I don't know if you remember it, it's the, it's the one with the, um, you know, the, the sort of the growth um, as how strategic content would be, right? So if we looked at it in the 90s, content was a tactic. If we looked at it in the early 2000s, it was content uh, as a, you know, as a marketing strategy. And in the late 2000s, it's content as a, you know, as a business strategy. And then as, as we get into 2020 and beyond, it was content as a business model. And, you know, and so we, sh- we used to use that in all sure. these presentations we used to give. And so... I, not, I mean, again, not to get too self-congratulatory here, but it, that, this is it, right? This is exactly what it is, is that, and this is why in, in some varying degree, I get really excited about this is because this is the fruition of content as a business model where content becomes so ingrained in the business strategy, it becomes part of the actual operating model of the business, creating worlds, creating ecosystems, creating experiences that go beyond the products that we traditionally and classically sell, but actually become part of the entire experience. You know, it's off so many, you know, gurus or, you know, consultants or, you know, thought leaders, you know, some people out there, you know, you'll see the the classic sort of naysayer go, well, nobody wants to have a relationship with their butter, right? Nobody opens up their relationship, you know, no, their refrigerator and says, ah, what, what, you know, where can I go check out the social media channel of my milk, right? You know, and, and that's true. Absolutely. I, I believe that's 100% true. But if that butter brand or that milk brand can create and monetize a community around whatever it may be, health, you know, uh, you know, so many different, you know, topics that they could cover. Well, now you may want to have a relationship with that brand for different reasons than the fact that they also happen to provide you with butter. And that's that's the opportunity I think for businesses today as we start thinking about how are we going to pierce the noise and, you know, get up over the 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 idea of, you know, how much crap we have to consume and you know differentiate in a crowded marketplace and all that kind of stuff it gets back to our friend don schultz right who says people can copy every single thing you do except the way that you communicate right right? and the only thing that you can do to communicate better is to create an experience that is differentiated and this is a perfect way to do and i'll tell you what i mean it's so funny when you look at something like a board api club any brand could have created that it could course, have been any brand. Any, and by the way, literally any monkey could well, have Well, and here's that. the thing. If you <laughs> yeah. want to be part of that club, you talk about business model. If you want to just be part of that yeah. club of 10,000 assets, you have to pay right now $250,000 for one. Just That's do the amazing. math on that. That's larger than a lot of companies out there. Yeah. So I think that, and, what, and this is what's great for content people. Every one of these things needs a story and needs a roadmap. You, you have to have a lot of different content components. So you can't just launch the this story. thing without yep. a content strategy. You cannot do it. Yep. It needs it needs yep. a world. It needs a whole set exactly. of things. All right. Uh, well, I, I, it's time for it our is. rants and raves. Yes. Yeah, where, where we're going off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave, uh, Joe and I, and basically making us feel a little bit like Taylor Swift at the moment or making us feel a little bit like maybe Jake Gyllenhaal feels a little bit right now. Like, you know, I thought I was done with this. 2012. It was eight years ago. Come on, give me a break. You know, you know. I, I got the the scarf. I sent it back. <laughs> so anyway, uh, would you like I, to go for mine? Is very I'll, quick. I'll, I'm happy to go or, first uh, because I'm very excited about this. Uh, is my because I I know we talked beforehand and you're not aware of this. So I'm going to talk to you. Uh, as as many people listening to this probably don't know what's going on, but. Uh, there is something that was created last week called Constitution DAO. Again, DAO stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. And there were very uh, quite a few interesting people, including investor Packy McCormick and a bunch of friends. They launched this together. And they did this because Sotheby's is coming out. Uh, and actually, this is already, I don't know what's going to happen because this is this show that we're on right now is going to go live Friday morning. But the Sotheby's auction 
of one of the official versions of the U.S. Constitution is happening tonight, Thursday, 11-18, at 6.30 p.m. The estimated price is to go between 15 and $20 million. Now, I don't know if you know this, but when the Constitution was ratified, there were quite a few official copies. I think there were 50 official copies that were created so that the delegates could take them back and, and get ratification from the states. And right. there is only – some people will say different. Some people say there's 11, 12, 13, right? According to Constitution Dow, there's 13 of these officially um, – available that that are that are left of the 50 there was one at all the other 12 are with with the government 12 or the 13th one is what was with a private collector and that private collector is now selling it so this is the only one that's available and there's a group of people that got together and created a DAO, which is amazing use of a DAO. and if you go on constitution DAO's page it says we're buying the U.S. Constitution for the first time in 33 years. One of 13 surviving copies of the official edition of the Constitutional Convention from the Constitutional Convention will be publicly auctioned by Sotheby's. It is the only copy that is still owned by private collectors. The proceeds from the auction will be given to a charity that has been established by the current owner. So they started this thing, Robert just seven, eight days ago, and their goal was to raise $20 million so they could bid on this, and then they would use that, and then, they, of course, a DAO is governed by tokens, and then everyone would own a piece of this thing, and they would decide how to use that. Well, I didn't think they were going to reach their goal, Robert, uh, because I looked two days ago, it was about $5 million. As of this morning, they're over $40 million that they've raised. Wow. They have more than enough to buy this thing. Totally crazy. The Discord group has over 15,000 people in such a short period of time. It's amazing what a community can do together and bring this thing in. Um, so anyway, I'm not going to... It's like an IPO, it's like an IPO for a exactly, piece of art. Exactly. And this is... this is I, I, What I love about this example is it's a great application. Um, there was... Pleaser Dow did this a month or two ago when they bought that exclusive Wu-Tang album. That was one of one, and they bought that because it was seized by the U.S. government, and they bought that for, for like $4 million, and now they're thinking about how to use that. This is another application of a DAO. And so you start thinking about, well, what are some other applications? Let's say that you and I, in in your area of Los Angeles, there was a historical building that was going to shut down. What if we got a group of people together, started a DAO to save that historical structure? Or what if we wanted to buy a minor league uh, baseball team? Or what if you and I wanted to buy a bar together with you know a thousand of our friends? You could now start a DAO because you can tokenize it. You can govern that way. It's it's a decentralized way. It's not a hierarchy of of um, like like hierarchical structure like most organizations. It's done through a sort of a democracy by token. Uh, again, lots of legal landmines. Nobody knows about where this <laughs> yeah, is going exactly. to go. I totally yeah. see yeah, Management landmines exactly. as well. We don't, yeah. know, we don't yeah. know where this is going to go, but the fact that we're seeing more applications is just amazing. So I'm going to be I, – I put in a little bit to it because I want to be part of this thing too. So I added a couple hundred bucks into this thing uh, to uh, to be along for the ride, if you will. And at 6.30 tonight, we'll see if they get it. And if they get it, then there'll be all kinds of decisions that need to be made on, on what they're going to do. And it sounds like the next generation of Constitution Dow is to buy other U.S. artifacts and and do a similar thing. And I think the plan for this one is to put it in the Smithsonian and to sell different rights off and generate revenue different ways. So I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm fascinated by it. And we'll, really put cool. show, yeah, we'll put the show. We'll put the Constitution Dow stuff in in the show notes. It's 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 yeah. it's fascinating. It is all. It was it was covered in the Morning Brew this morning. It was in uh, I think New York Times covered it. I mean, it is. It's like a big thing. It's like a it's like a thing. So there you go. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a thing. thing. It it's, is a it, thing. It, it's like they a might, thing. they might buy it a might thing. Be a thing. They might. Yeah, they might, they're gonna buy a thing and they might become a thing. All right. Um, yeah, I have a very quick thing. Um, so it, it is uh, it also weirdly a lot of stories coming out of Daily Variety here. Um, this was a story that came out this week, and it's about Netflix uh, and how they're measuring things. Um, you know, and I came out of TV measurement, as some of you long-term listeners of the show know, and so this was a particularly fascinating story to me, where 
the article says, you know, and and this was true. Netflix basically came out and said, yeah, they've heard the complaints about how it cherry picks reported data and releases the content on its platform and has, you know, so it's really opaque about what you can actually see. And and I've talked before about how that has really thrown a bit of a you know information and data bomb into the middle of. Uh, negotiations in Hollywood because it's very hard to negotiate for your actor or for your director when you have zero clue as to how many views it got, right? So when Netflix comes back and goes, nah, we're not that interested in that director anymore because and sort of negotiate a lower price, they can do that because nobody knows, right? Nobody knows how many you know, views that sure. particular show got or whatever, because it's all proprietary information. So they've heard those complaints and apparently they've now come out with an, a much more expanded view of um, its data, which honestly is not that expanded of a view. Um, it's kind of silly, actually, that basically all they did was they sort of announced a, an expansion to their top 10 lists, right, which basically reports the top 10 Netflix shows, movies, etc. Um, globally, and now you can sort of, you know, sort of segment it by um, by country. Um, and basically, it also says it's enlisted the professional services firm EY, so Ernst & Young, to audit its metrics um, with those results to be released in 2022. They kind of bury the lead here because that's the more interesting thing um, is that we'll see what actually comes out in 2022. So, you know, stay tuned for that um, to see what actually comes out from the EY audit and see how they're actually doing on those things and how much they can be trusted. But basically what the article says, and I agree 100% that this is basically Netflix flexing. This is basically saying, hey, listen, you know, this is what, we, you know, this is how much global hours are spent with Netflix. So this is all for the market. This is all for, this is all a marketing play and you should trust these numbers, not at all. Um, because it, it is it is very selectively placed, I'm sure quite filtered, and quite frankly, doesn't show so much of what you know would really be um, valuable here to you know sponsors to uh, you know Hollywood on on negotiations of contracts on anybody looking at competitive. So it's all it's all like you know a great big. David Blaine magic trick that's going on right here. So that's, I just thought it was interesting because so much of what is happening now as we get into these walled gardens, right? Whether it be Facebook or whether it be Netflix or whether it be Google or whatever is sort of like trusting the internally measurement. Like, you know, this is how many views you got. This is what you got. This is what's real. There's like, no, there's, there's, there's nothing happening here. And this is the sort of the dangerous side of the walled garden idea and putting our content, as we talk about on rented land a lot, you're sort of believing everything that they say, which may or may not be quite frankly, the real truth. So just a yeah, good example. I mean, of that's that. the power that they have with their first party data. Yep. They can oh, do yeah, whatever they exactly want. Right. Uh, I mean, I looked at that's it. Exactly it's fascinating right. to look at, but yeah, I don't know how you can judge it. You can only judge it by the other ones in the, in the same category. And it's yeah. so, Whatever. Well, it's like look. It's a little bit like looking at. So one of the ones that I always I always get on marketers around is that they that they put on their blog right most popular articles right, and so you'll see a list of the top ten most popular blog articles on somebody's site, and they use that usually as a navigational trick, and the problem is is that it's a self fulfilling prophecy, right? You know, so the, you know calling it you know so first of all it measures it measures visits not popularity. So in other words, what they should say is most visited blog. It may be people going, look how ridiculous this thing is, right? And sending it to all their friends and their friends going, yeah, you're right. It's ridiculous and sharing it with their friends. So it's not necessarily it's popular. It's just that it's most visited. The second thing is, is that as you call it the most popular blog, it's going to become more popular. And so it's a, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy there for them. And it becomes a bit of a marketing tool or an editorial tool more specifically to say, Hey, listen, if there's something that's kind of there and I want to promote it, let's just call it the top eight show. And then let's see if we can boost it to number six and number five and get more viewership for it. So it, it's a, it's, it's a, this kind of metrics are a tool, not necessarily indicative of what's really going on. A marketing stunt, if you will, seems to be a, <laughs> a marketing seems stunt. To yeah, be a marketing theme stunts. throughout there the we episode. Go. This is the, there we go. There we go. Very good. 
All right, what do you got coming up? Oh, uh, well, I know we've got, I think we've got Thanksgiving coming up next week. I, you know, yeah. So, yeah, just looking forward to getting together with the family as safely That'll as we lovely. possibly can. Yeah. And uh, we're not, we're, we usually travel on Thanksgiving. We're not this year, which is, which, oh, good yeah, for you. Which, which is, it'll be nice seeing the kids too. I haven't seen them for a while. So coming Aww, home from college, so I know, it's, it's kind of, it's different because this is our first year as empty nesters so we're we're enjoying so our time sweet. but we're also looking forward to hanging out with the the full family force if you will um how lovely about you, sir? uh i am gonna spend the weekend sort of doing some work and getting some stuff done prior to next week because i would like to really not do any work next uh next week during the holiday um and yes getting together with some family next week and um you know and thinking about our we're gonna do the show a little early next week just so everybody's aware so that we're going to do you know so that you'll be able to listen to it prior if you feel like it um or you could watch it on that uh, or listen to it rather on the um you know on your post turkey walk if that's the thing that you like to do <laughs> as well so yeah so i got that that's that's there that's what you I go. got going on. all right all right well that is it folks uh, if you want to get all the goodness, and why wouldn't you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes or dive into any of the other 298, 97, somewhere in there, somewhere around 300 a episodes, lot. just get on yeah. over to our websites. A lot. This old marketing.site. Remember, folks, Twitter questions, audio questions, bring them. We're getting close to 300. It's going to be fun. Um, we really uh, would love to get your voice on the show. And until we meet again next week, early next week for the holiday week, remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.